Welcome to the Sports on Point podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Smith, joined on the line by the phenom, Mr. Bob Williams. It's May, and I'm actually watching the Indians during this, so I'm excited. As you should be, Bob, as you should be. And of course, the man pressing the buttons, Mr. Pod Severance. Welcome, we got an awesome show for you guys. So without further ado, we're going to get started with our weekly rewind. Starting off with Thursday, NBA.com, this news is from Warrior Stephen Curry wins NBA Sportsmanship Award. Bob? Uh, you know, this is something that uh, you have the, I believe it's writers? No, it, it's a selection of four player, ex-players, who, who selected uh, the guys down to the final four, or at least picked the divisional win- winners, and then uh, the, the players themselves voted on this. So... Not only did you have Stephen Curry, who actually won the award, uh, break down individually. He won the Pacific. You had Charlotte's DJ Augustine in the Southeast, Chicago's Luol Deng in the Central, uh, New Jersey's Darrell Williams with the Atlantic, Portland's Lamarcus Aldridge from the Northwest, and San Antonio George Hill from the Southwest. Uh, the, the award goes to a good cause. He won a $10,000 donation on, uh, to Habitat for Humanity. Uh, you know, other other than that. The, the players who voted on it was Rolando Blackman, John Crotty, Mark Johnson, and Eddie Johnson. Kind of a cool concept. You know, every sport has a sportsmanship award, but I, I, I see no wrong with this. Well, you know, actually, the, the, the thing that I was thinking about when I saw this headline was, you know, they should probably remake that nice little NBA commercial where they go back and they show Stephon Curry playing shoot around with his dad before an NBA game on the court that right, you know, eight or nine years old. They're talking to him, the kid from the future, and said, hey, someday you're going to win the sportsmanship award. And then I was thinking, you know, they probably shouldn't do that because they're stupid. Um, I'm, I, I'm, pretty sure that, uh, I'm pretty sure that Curry is honored to have this award. And uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with the, the sportsmanship, but... Honestly, I think that uh, I think that the things that they're awarding you for, as far as the qualities of a good sport, is something really all the players in the NBA should do a better job of of uh, representing. And and uh, let's let's hopefully let's look forward to a future where it's not so easy to pick someone who wins this award because maybe everybody in the league shows a little bit more sportsmanship. True that, dog. On Friday. It was announced Gary Williams to retire as Maryland Terrapins basketball coach. Matt? Uh, yes, Gary Williams, the legendary coach out at the University of Maryland. Um, interesting call here because uh, we're really late in what uh, what I would call the coaching cycle for college basketball. Um, a lot of the uh, a lot of the big time moves are usually done and over with. And Gary Williams retiring is going to set off a small little wave of uh, of coaching moves in and of itself. But uh, this is a this is a big this is a big job opening up, and and uh, it looks like the Terrapins have selected Mark Turgeon from Texas A&M to fill in for Gary Williams. But uh, let's not forget that this is a guy who's outlasted four coaches at North Carolina. So it's uh, it's definitely a, a, a big a big uh, event when when Gary Williams steps aside. Yeah, you talk about North Carolina. This is a guy who who's had really good success at Maryland, going up against the Dukes and and, and the North Carolinas of the ACC, which is by far one of the toughest 
conferences out there in basketball, and this guy's pretty much stood toe-to-toe with him. Uh, surprised that he, he stayed this year uh, just because of the fact that he did lose Grievous Vasquez uh, last year and, you know, a younger team. I guess some of his other guys decided to go early this year, and he saw it as a perfect timing, so you can't blame him. You only can fight the fight for so long. On Saturday, Kentucky Wildcats basketball. Terrence Jones to announce NBA decision on Twitter. Bob? Well, his Twitter decision is that he's staying. Cool concept, I guess, that he that he used Twitter to do it, but I don't know if this is the right decision for him in what is perceived a weak draft. Uh, he definitely has the skills to be a lottery pick, possibly a top 10 pick. And depending on how the NBA collective bargaining agreement shapes up by the you know end of this year offseason he could bump himself to you know a late first round pick maybe so not saying that he can't improve but i i'm kind of iffy on this well my money says that he made the announcement on twitter and he did it on his cell phone and he probably typed everything in with his left hand because um as far as i can tell he doesn't have a right hand and i think that's what a lot of nba scouts were seeing with his play, especially in the tournament where he kind of uh, disappeared from time to time. He's got some things he's got to develop before he's ready to play in the, the uh, NBA, and I think he's probably making the right move by coming back for another year to develop a, a, a dual threat, left hand, right hand, and, and a little bit better outside shot. On Sunday, Rangers Avery joins campaign for gay rights. Matt. This is kind of an interesting little headline. Um, the the uh, the New York Rangers forward Sean Avery, um, known to be pretty much like an, an agitator, a, a very uh, aggressive player on the ice, and he's he's come out in what is typically considered to be a very masculine sport uh, in support of, of gay marriage, and it's kind of an interesting move. Um, typically, you see uh, you know a lot of politicians and. Uh, celebrities in the acting and theater world that, that stand up for movements like this. It's kind of interesting here to see an athlete in, uh, in, a, in, a, in a sport where he's, he basically stands a strong potential to be ridiculed for such strong opinions about such matters. And Yeah, definitely with you there. You know, maybe... <laughs> we, we do know that Sean Avery is just kind of cuckoo sometimes uh, based on the fact that he uh, did the Martin Brodeur dance right in front of him and uh, pretty much got that made, uh, you know, an illegal call or a legal move in hockey. So you know players really don't like him, but maybe this will spur a movement and, and you might see a little bit you know, more athletes. I know a few years ago, based on the article, Grant Hill and Jared Dudley did... did uh, some campaigning of their own so maybe this will open up uh, you know something that, that's definitely out there in our world that people will start seeing uh that, that it's not such a bad thing to have you know gay rights gay marriage same-sex marriage whatever I, I, I was gonna say i think you could probably safely say that sean avery has now officially declared himself as the anti-tim hardaway <laughs> on monday Lakers get benched by Maverick Shooters from ESPN. Bob? Coming into this series, who would have thought that Peja Stoyakovich and Jason Terry, uh, even Jose Juan Borea, Jose Juan. Jose Juan Borea made 17 three-pointers throughout the series. 
that they made, well, no, that's the last game, <clears throat> where they uh, blew out. It, it wasn't even a contesting game for the defending champions. Uh, Terry had 32 points, Borea 22, Stojakovic 21. If the Mavericks are going to go deeper, if, if they're going to take the championship uh, in, out in the West and then go into the actual finals, they need this to continue. And who knows if it will. We know Stojakovic is streaky. We know Terry is streaky. And even Borea is, is a solid backup. But these are the guys that they need in order to go all the way. Yeah, I think the one advantage they're going to have, though, is they're going to be facing a team coming out of the other side of the bracket that's going to be worn down and beaten up. Um, the, the Thunder series against the Grizzlies has just it's been brutal thus far, and it uh, shows every sign that it will continue to be through seven games most likely. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess this is the end of the Laker era. I mean, that's what I'm hearing anyways. But uh, Bill Plaschke of the LA Times had a little interesting take as to some things that might have led to Pau Gasol's playing so soft in this uh, in this series in this postseason. But uh, I don't want to spoil it. We'll, uh, we'll we'll save that for later. In rounding our short week off on Tuesday, Reggie Bush of New Orleans Saints causes stir with tweets on lockout. Matt. Oh boy, another NFL running back causing a stir on Twitter. There's a big shock. Uh, no, this is uh, this is just a situation where I don't know. I, I, it, Reggie Bush is just goofing around, and, and he made a comment on Twitter that says everybody's complaining about the lockout. Shoot, I'm making the most of it. Vacation rest, relaxing appearances here and there. I'm good. I don't know. I guess uh, I guess from a union standpoint, you don't exactly want to hear the players making comments that it might actually be good that they're you know getting some time off. But everybody's been in situations. Everybody's had like the snow day from school and thought, great, I don't have to go to school today, or. You know the the sick day from work where maybe you had a project you were really uh, really working on or something like that, but you just you just didn't feel like going in. It, it happens. And so what if he made a little comment? He, he said he was joking later on, but I don't know. I don't think this is a big deal. And I, I, I think that this is a little bit of uh, over policing a situation uh, in in sharp contrast to the Richard Mendenhall tweeting incident last week. Um, I, I think this is overblown. Yeah, definitely overblown and kind of ridiculous all at the same time. Uh, I don't. If this was any other sport, honestly, I doubt it would be that big of a deal. But the fact that, as much as we like to say baseball is America's game, truly football has evolved into the number one sport in America. And in you know, it, it's tough when you have someone who's who's a face. Uh, of the entire NFL that, that even, you know, housewives know uh, saying stuff like that, it, it can kind of be frowned upon. So maybe not the best choice of ha-ha moment. Well, that's been our weekly rewind. To give us your thoughts on this past week, give us a call at 646-39-POINT. That's 646-397-6468. Now on to our main topics of this week where we have a general discussion. So, guys, without any further ado, what were the main things that happened this last week that you'd like to talk about? Well, it was. Uh, let's start off with the, with the NBA playoffs because it was a it was a wild week in the NBA this week. Um, you know, Phil Jackson, the immortal, and and the legendary Kobe Bryant getting swept out of the playoffs uh, by a Dallas Mavericks team that I don't know many people gave them a shot in this series coming into it. 
interestingly enough, Kobe Bryant late in the season uh, listed the Dallas Mavericks as the number one threat to them in the postseason, and it looks like uh, his concerns were not without good reason. But um, I don't know. When I, when I watch this series, when I see the highlights and everything that went on, it certainly seemed like this was a different Laker team than, than certainly last year. What do, you, what do you make of this early exit from the Lakers? Well, honestly, the fact that they've been to the finals four years in a row, it's bound to happen that they're going to have, I, I guess, an early exit for them. Um, so it, it, it's not the fact that they did get beat in the second round. It's the fashion that they did it. And it, it wasn't just one area. It was a Pau Gasol being softer week. It was an Andrew Bynum freaking out and getting a five-game suspension to start next season. You had the uh, Ron Artest injury slash suspension uh the the fact that Derek Fisher's older than old almost at this point so it it, it might be just a one-year hiccup if Phil doesn't come back he did it's not looking that way he you know sort of officially retired they are searching for another coach if he doesn't come back I, I think it's time to probably rebuild uh but the, the biggest question is how quick of a rebuild can you get and, and you know players are going to want to play there with Kobe. So it, I'll even throw this name out there, Dwight Howard. Maybe we'll see that in the off season. Yeah, maybe. Um, I don't. I don't know from a uh, from a salary standpoint. I don't know how that works out. Just because they've got a lot of money that's still under contract through the next year. But uh, yeah, that'd be that's a, that's an interesting prospect, and and it's definitely one that's going to be kicked around for oh, quite a while. Is that. Uh, the Orlando Magic will use will lose yet another All Star center to uh, to the Los Angeles Lakers. So there'll, there'll certainly be a lot of speculation. I'm sure that'll continue on. You know, I think it was funny that Bob thought the Lakers were there four years in a row. Forgets that our own Cleveland Cavaliers were in the finals in 2007. I was going <laughs> to say that, that it was three years in a row, but I didn't want to interrupt. That's, that's fine. fine. That's what I'm good at. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm okay with that. But that's how dominant they've been since since Kobe's been there. Yeah, they've had an off year here and there. But ever since they got the Pau Gasol trade and, and they've worked around you know, a young Bynum who can only on occasion stay healthy and not at the right times uh, and, and a mixed bag of role players – it's it's tough because when you, when you think about Kobe Bryant, he's probably one of the most dominant on ball guards that we've seen. Yet we've never seen him really with a, with a a great point guard. So it, it would be interesting if if LA does blow it up. It, it's going to be tough to see what they can get for for some of these guys, especially when they're not on really friendly contracts. Uh, whether it be a Ron Artest or a Matt Barnes or Lamar Odom, you know those guys would be the first ones to go. So I, I don't know how how you go about retinkering all this. Yeah, see here's what you've got. We'll, we'll take a look at the we'll take a look at the Lakers roster right now. Um, you're, when you look at uh, when you look at Kobe Bryant and Pau Gasol, both of them are on contract, big contracts I might add, through the 2013-2014 season. Um, Bynum is on contract through 2012-2013 with a team option. Uh, Odom, same deal, 2012-2013 team option. Ron Artest and Steve Blake, both on through 2013-2014. Luke Walton, Derek Fisher, both on through 2012-2013. 
And then you start getting into the players with, whose, whose salaries are a little bit more movable, and you're looking at Shannon Brown, you're looking at Matt Barnes, um, the guys that don't really have much value. Um, you've got Joe Smith and Theo Ratliff's contracts dropping off at the end of this year, and you've got Devin Eubanks and Derek, uh, Derek Character, who, who you know, are, are, I guess, expiring contracts, but for less than a million apiece, I don't know how much good that does you. The trade value of these guys, I don't know what it's at. The When you look at players like Gasol, yeah, he's he's definitely got trade value, but at this point in time, can you trade him away and, and gut your team that much? That's a tough call to make. Uh, I don't know that Odom, I don't know that he has that much trade value just because of his um, – you know his his age and his contract value as a essentially a sixth man role player type player in most systems. You know Ron Artest, jeez, at, at seven million a year again, who's going to want to take on that contract? Look at Luke Walton. Luke Walton's been a corpse, and he, <laughs> he signed for you know another another few years, I believe, yeah, at five million. Asked. Yeah, he's got uh, he's got at least five million a year through for the next two years. So, um, Luke Walton again. But um, let's go back to the Pau Gasol thing because I saw an article um, I saw an article from Bill Platsky uh, in the LA Times where just kind of you know offhandedly halfway through the article he mentions and I will quote directly. This is of course from Bill Platsky, LA Times. Um, quote from Pau Gasol: I have learned I have to learn from this. Gasol said. I have to learn that when something happens off the court, you have to keep it off the court. He was referring to the report that he stopped talking to Kobe Bryant during the postseason because Bryant's wife, Vanessa, had contributed to the breakup of Gasol and his longtime girlfriend. Laker fans will remember that Carl Malone once publicly accused Vanessa of interfering with his personal life in a similar fashion. So it sounds kind of like we've got a whole Delante's mom situation going on out in L.A., a little bit less, I don't know, tantalizing than that story. But uh, I don't know. It's just kind of dropped in this article just like, oh, yeah, oh, by the way, we had a, we had a big falling out between players because of something going on with Kobe Bryant's wife. Um, I, thought that was, I thought that was pretty interesting. What are your thoughts, Bob? Kobe Bryant's wife, What? Yeah, at this point, if if it is a situation, you're a professional athlete. I I, I know. Yeah, the personal lives are going to get into it. Honestly, this this woman thinks she's better than everyone else. If if it is true, someone needs to knock her down a few peg hooks. Just saying, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. Look at look. Athletes' wives, as as much as athletes are outspoken, I think athletes' wives have some sort of self entitlement. So, if that's the cause of this breakup of the Lakers, similarly to how they broke them up last time, you know they did have Gary Payton, they had Carl Malone, they had Shaq, and then they all, you know, there was that fallout. So maybe maybe if Kobe wants to win another championship. Maybe he needs to kick his wife to the curb. Uh, maybe, maybe. So I'm not ready to make that assumption just yet. Just thought the story was a little bit interesting. So we've got one of, well, we've got the defending champions out of the playoffs. And looking on the other side of the country, we've got a series between the Heat and the Celtics, which isn't turning out to be as quite as competitive as everyone thought it was. 
save for the Willis Reed-esque moment when Rajan Rondo returned after a dislocated elbow that looked to be season-ending happening, uh, coming back in just a few minutes of game time later to uh, return to the court and finish out the fourth quarter as the one-handed basketball player. Um, aside from that moment, it's pretty much been all Miami in the series. And I don't know if um, I don't know if this is quite the exit for the season the Boston Celtics had in mind. Yeah, definitely not. But the fact that uh, the first game Rajon Rondo was saddled into uh, quick foul trouble, the second game not so much, you know, more of the same. And then the third game, he had this monster game, and he still played through the injury. It is a testament to the type of guy that he is and how vital he is to this, the supposed big three. He is the game changer. He's the guy that I thought, given the most leeway, given the most freedom, could possibly destroy the the heat. But un- unfortunately for him with the injury and the fouls that he's had to deal with, he, he hasn't really had that freedom to take over. And, and that's definitely hurting the Celtics and their chances. Yeah, when you look at the uh, when you look at the playoffs last year, when the the Celtics you know dismantled the Cleveland teams, it was all Rajon Rondo, and I think that um, I think that that there's been a certain amount of physicality that's been extended his way as kind of a retaliation for that. Um, not that not that you should retaliate for good play, but we all know it happens. And I think what Miami has done is is they've they've been very physical in nature with with Rondo specifically uh, to get him in foul trouble to get him in injury situations. I really really felt like watching that injury in Game Three that when when uh, Wade essentially brought Rondo to the ground. I thought that that was I thought that was pretty dirty, pretty cheap move. Oh, not surprising at all. Yeah, and and I was I was disappointed because. Um, I always felt like that uh, that uh, of the three out there in Miami that Wade, Wade was kind of the one that had the higher moral standard. But uh, this was this was definitely a cheap shot. It was definitely a dirty play. And jeez, uh, I, I, I understand getting caught up in a moment, but uh, the, the instant replays, the slow mo video of that, it's pretty gruesome. Is it as bad as uh, Robert Horry's? Robert Ory shot on Steve Nash a few years ago? Oh, no, not quite. No. I'll have to actually take a peek at it. I I, I just read the, the read it, so it's it's not shocking to hear that they, they tried to take him out, especially since he, it, 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 not, not saying that's the case, but he was definitely the X factor in this series, and, and they've made it him not mean anything in this series, whether it be the refs in, in game one or even the injury in itself. It, it's tough to feel, you know, you know, if I'm a Miami Heat fan, I don't know if this is the way that I really want to go about possibly getting past the series. Yeah, they're, they're probably going to win this series, but the fact that it, it's been to the point I don't know. It's it's tougher for me to say that they've won this series when when Rondo's been taking taken out of this series, whether it be by the refs or Miami. Yeah, well, I think if you're I think if you're a Miami Heat fan um, at this point in time, and if you if you've got come to accept that everything that your team is built on um, as being a valid way of winning in the NBA, then I don't suppose you have much of a problem with Rajon Rondo being injured and or. Reft out of a game. 
Okay, so moving on from a sport that's uh, towards the end of its season to one that's still kind of in its infancy, and that's the Major League Baseball season. Um, in the last five days, well, in the last week, we've had two no-hitters thrown, one by Francisco Liriano of the Minnesota Twins and one by Justin Verlander of the Detroit Tigers. So a good day, a good week apparently for the uh, AL Central. But um, uh, two no-hitters in less than five days, okay. It seems kind of familiar. It seems like we did this last year with the back to, uh, back-to-back uh, no-hitters. I guess it wasn't quite as close together. It was a May 9th no-hitter by Dallas Braden and a May 29th no-hitter by Roy Halladay. So a lot of no-hitting baseball going on over the major leagues for the last couple of years. Uh, kind of unprecedented levels. If you look in the last two seasons, there have been... And in the month of May... In the month of May, in the last two seasons, there's been four. Um, there was another one in April. That makes five. There could have been another one against the Cleveland Indians, right, in April last year. Yes. According to this list, there was Ubaldo Jimenez in April, Dallas Braden and Roy Holiday in May, Edwin Jackson in June, Matt Garza in July, and Roy Holiday in October. But It is a lot, but when you're looking at a sport where, yeah, a no-hitter is kind of a, a big thing, but you're succeeding as a batter when you're batting 275 to 300 that that you know that's 30% of the time so no hitter no hitters are a tough thing to do yes because you you're technically facing 27 batters but in theory it, i don't know that doesn't shock me that there's that many because, yeah. you know, how many times have you checked even this year? I know the other day, Giovanni Gagliardo from the Brewers had a no-hitter going until, like, the seventh or eighth inning, and they, they're constantly updating you. Yeah, but here's the thing, Bob, is it's, it's, a, it's a task that's level of difficulty increases with every inning. Yeah, so you got a guy who makes it into the seventh inning with a no-hitter going, but that seventh inning is going to be the hardest inning he's going to have to get out of. And then the eighth inning is going to be even harder, and the ninth inning is going to be as hard as any, uh, because you're you're talking about pitch counts, you're talking about players getting into high number of high number of pitches, like well beyond what they're typically comfortable making, and it becomes more and more difficult for them to maintain the speed and control that they used to get to the point that they were at at the beginning. A lot of times, when you get through that stage, it's a it's a adrenaline that carries you through because you know what you're in the process of doing. And um, I don't know. It's 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 a it's an amazing feat. I think no matter how you look at it, what I kind of look at more is you know things that have been done with strike zones, things that have been done with with partial swings as as far as batters are concerned, um, the the cut swings so to speak, uh, just different things that I think have been done over the past couple of years that have have benefited pitching in major league a little bit more than they've benefited the hitting. And hey, let's face it. A lot less uh, performance-enhancing drugs floating around out there as well probably doesn't hurt. But um, we're certainly kind of in, a, in an era right now of good pitching, um, and, and it's, it's, it's fun to watch. But I, I think a lot of casual baseball fans are going to grow a little bit impatient if pitching continues to be the story. And it's really been the story so far this year has been pitching because – there's not really there really haven't been any breakthrough hitters any you know long streaks of home runs there was a there was a 30 30 game uh, you know hit streak that ended just this week 
But for the most part, the stories you've been hearing about Major League Baseball recently have been the pitching, and I just don't know how patient the casual fan is going to be with that uh, with that overall opinion of the baseball picture. Honestly, uh, you know we're we're not casual baseball fans, uh, and and it's and it's tough to say what they they will and won't because they're such a fickle group, and and that's just casual products of any anything. You know, you do have five hitters currently. You know, through through the first week of week and a half of May, we'll say almost two weeks that have double digit home runs. Uh, you know, not only the AL, you do have the NL. So I, I don't know if it's that. Sure, we don't have anyone who had like 17 in the month of April, but the the, the the players are still getting their hits. You know, Jose Bautista was one of those people that was, you know, came out of nowhere last year. Here he is still this year. So, yeah, I, I, I guess it's going to be tough for a casual fan, but... Honestly, I, I love popping onto ESPN and it saying, you know, so and so has a no hitter through seven. You know, you usually flip that channel or, or pay attention. You know, keep refreshing the page to see what happens. Yeah, I feel like that's such a tease because every time I turn to it, the hitter gets no hitter gets broken up within a matter of minutes. It's uh, it's inevitable. I guess. Well, I guess. Yep, you're just the jinx. I guess my general rule of thumb is if there's somebody I want to see throw a no-hitter, then don't watch. So it's your fault. Um, but, uh, <laughs> otherwise, go ahead and turn to it right away if it's a you know Yankee or Red Sox pitcher. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to say it's bad for baseball. In fact, I, I, I came on this podcast last year when these no-hitter streak was going on, and I said, you know, I, I'm all for it. I, I, I like the excitement of the no-hitters, and I still do. My opinion hasn't changed on the enjoyment level of it. I just wonder – if that's what sells baseball is no hitters or if or if it's dare I say it if it's if it's Barry Bonds and and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa that are selling baseball it's kind of a it's kind of a, an odd place that the game of baseball is in right now where you know unprecedented pitching is the only story you've got going and uh, I don't know I just don't know I just don't know from a beneficial standpoint, if that's if that's good for baseball or, or, or bad, well, I guess remains to be seen. But uh, I, I do know that the 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 shocking photos that we've seen from stadiums around the country where baseball is being played to practically empty houses is an image that I think speaks for itself. You know, honestly, as us being sports fans and us living in Northeast Ohio, as I'm watching the Indians game right now. You know the the Progressive Park really isn't that packed, but you know when we live forty thirty forty minutes away with gas being four dollars a pop uh, tickets, uh, you know with food going up there parking, it's it's not as cheap. I'm not saying it's the, it's the most expensive sports, but it's definitely not a cheap game to go to. And the fact that there's 182 games. In in a year, 162. That that's going to be tough to get all those games selling out unless you are a major market. Even if you are one of the better teams in the AL, like the Indians are currently. Yeah, and I was just going to say that it's 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 been a little bit uh, shocking to see the photos of the empty stadiums, the attendance numbers as they've been reported. Uh, it it is down from last year, and it, last year was even a little bit down from the year before, but not to the starkness of of what we've seen from photos around the web. But uh, yeah, it'll just it'll just be an interesting to see if 
this year does end up panning out like last year where we have that ridiculous amount of no-hitters going on. And um, if, if, uh, if we continue to see these outstanding pitching performances, uh, obviously, you know, we, a little bit lost in this conversation is the fact that, you know, Francisco Liriano got his first no-hitter this week. Justin Verlander got his second. So congratulations to those guys. That's quite an accomplishment, uh, especially for, for Justin Verlander. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's the second. And uh, I believe it was, you know, four or five years in between them. So impressive that he's been able to keep up with that level for that long period of time. Well, we still have the rarity of the uh, perfect game, even though we had two in May of last year. I think that's kind of what gets a little confusing is that oftentimes no hitters and perfect games, there's a people can't often make that distinction. So there's still that we can look forward to. I, I don't know. I personally think that no hitters are extremely fun to watch so yeah i'll say no headers and i'll you know as a as a sports fan and a sports stuff i i like to see the cycles what you know you don't that i i would say that's probably just as rare as, as a no hitter i'd say i'd say currently it's it's more rare <laughs> <laughs> Well, gents, I'd be remiss if on this sports podcast I didn't bring up the fact that Microsoft bought Skype for $8.5 billion. Yeah, I heard that earlier. That's crazy. We we record this podcast on Skype, so I'll be interested to see if if anything happens. Unfortunately or fortunately, however you look at it, I'm recording on a Mac, and Microsoft's development on the Mac side of things doesn't always have the best track record, so we'll see if they they continue on if we have a product that we can continue to record and deliver our wonderful sports on point podcast to all four of you listeners the interesting thing about that 8.5 million purchase is the fact that i'm pretty sure that skype lost about 700 million dollars last year so it's uh it's definitely easy to understand why skype was willing to sell for eight and a half billion billion. yeah i'm sorry billion you're right i think we're done cue the outro bob well, this has been Sports on Point. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please send us your suggestions on how we can improve the show and your comments to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. You can also call the show at 646-39-POINT. That's 646-397-6468. I'm going to sign up for a Foursquare account so that when any one of my friends signs into or checks into a location, I can drive over to their house and check in and say, I'm at so-and-so's house. Oh, so you're using it as stocking device. I have, the, I have this cool app on my iPhone called Fake Location, so I can sign in anywhere I want. Nice. You can, yeah, that's cool. You can, you can totally be at the uh, top of the... Wow, I can't even... The Eiffel Tower, one minute. Yes, I can be right at the top of the wow.